joy. Father, in your presence is healing, is deliverance. In your presence is everything that we could ever possibly need. So, Father, I thank you that in your presence is your healing power, that we can trust you. And so, Father, this morning we, we pray for Pastor Pettit. We pray that you continue to minister your grace and your mercy to him. Father, we know that according to your word, by his stripes, he has been healed, and we thank you for that. We give you praise and glory for that. And Father, we pray for Hank this morning as he's injured his back. Father, we just pray for healing for him. We declare for Hank that by the stripes of Jesus, he has been healed. That no weapon formed against him shall prosper in the name of Jesus. And then, Father, we also pray for Steve this morning. We thank you that his knee is recovering and that his knee is going to experience the recovery intended by the procedure that he went through. So, Father, we thank you for your healing power, for your love that you demonstrated to us through Jesus who loved us so much that he came and gave his life that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And so thank you, Father, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Well, aren't you glad you're saved? Hallelujah. Well, last week um, I began talking about um, our emotions. And uh, last week I talked about dealing with our emotions, that they are an intricate part in our life. It's something that we have to deal with. And... Uh, <clears throat> This morning, what I want to I want to continue on that same vein, that same line. I want to talk with you this morning about taking authority over our emotions. You know, on Wednesday night we've been talking about the believer's authority, but one of the areas that we haven't talked about on Wednesday evening is taking authority over our emotions, and we need to realize that um, our emotions play a big part in our life, in everything that we do and in everything that we say. Uh, for a believer to take authority in this area of, of emotions is going to determine which direction we're going to go in life because uh, whether we like it or not, our emotions are a very strong driving force in our life as to the, to the direction that we go. Uh, our entire lives are based on whether we can control our emotions or not, or whether we can control, whether our emotions control us, or whether we're going to control them. And so that's basically what I'm going to talk with you today about controlling our emotions, because our feelings are real. Amen. They're real. You know, but we don't have to allow them to dominate. We don't have to allow them to master our life. Uh, we're supposed to master it. We're made in God's image. Not just to reflect his love, but also to reflect his power and authority. You know, we could go back once again to Genesis, the first chapter, where God created man and he gave us dominion over everything, gave man dominion. And that includes our emotions. You know, sometimes we talk about sin or difficulty. We don't like to talk about sin anymore. We don't have sin, we have issues. And so we, we talk about our issues, and we talk about them like we just kind of fell into them. But you know, we don't fall into things. There's, a, there's always a thinking process that's, that's involved in that. It may be long, it may be short, but there's a thought that's involved in that that determines which direction we're going to go with that. And oftentimes that thought is begun by an emotion. And so that's why it's so important to us 
for us to recognize our emotions, that they're real, but also that we recognize that we have authority over them. True prosperity includes the ability to control our emotions and not let them control us. Last week, we, our, our foundational text was 3 John 2. Where it says, I pray that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And so last week, we talked a lot about how we're not ever, never going to prosper beyond our soul prospers. And our soul, again, is our mind, will, and our emotions. Our thinking process. We're never going to prosper beyond that. And so, God wants us to be, to have success in our health. He wants us to be well. Uh, health is success uh, in our physical body. Prosperity of the spirit is when we're, we've been born again. Because prosperity in the spiritual realm can never be really introduced to us until we've been truly born again. And prosperity of the soul, we're, we're talking about the renewing of our mind. Romans 12, 2. That we're to renew our minds by the word of God. I also read last week from 3 John, the second chapter, and I read from the Amplified. And in 3 John 2, the in the Amplified, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way. And again, I just think that's so exciting that God wants us to prosper in every way. That your body may be kept well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. And so again, our soul is our mind. It's our, it's our thinking it's the choices that we make. You know, and whether we, 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 we choose to do what's right or whether we choose to do what's wrong, we choose, we choose to do what we know we ought to do or we choose something else, it always begins in our soul. It begins in our thought process. And <clears throat> uh, as our soul goes, so goes our life. You know, I, I believe it was Dr. Cole that I heard say this the first time. He says, uh, if you don't like where you are today, look at the decisions that you made yesterday. And you know, most of our decisions, well, let's rephrase that. All of our decisions, they begin on an emotional level. Then we have to take it to an intellectual level. And it's in that intellectual level that we make a decision which way that we're going to go. If we simply stick to the emotional level, the emotional level will always take us to what feels good. It'll take us to what we think rather than what we know. Well, what do you mean by that? We know that God's word is true. But our emotion, on the emotional level, it'll take us somewhere that the Word isn't leading us. And that's why we always have to recognize that we have authority, that we can control our emotions. Experiencing prosperity in every area is the essence of mastering our lives. Do you realize that? We have to have authority in every single area of our life, if we don't recognize that, if we don't use that authority in that area, in every area of our life, again, it'll take us to places we really don't want to go. Um, God created all of creation for our control. The problem is, is if we don't learn to control our emotions, our emotions will begin to take control of us. And instead of us in control, they'll be in control. 
And if we don't control our emotions, what happens, the next step that it leads it to, us to, it'll want us to control others. You know, God's not called any of us to be in control of somebody else. Each of us are to be in control of our own lives. But what emotion will try to do, emotion will always try to lead us to the point to where we want to control somebody else. We want to control somebody else's life. And the root behind that is because if we don't have control of our emotions, we feel out of control. And what's the one, number one thing that we want to do with our life when we feel out of control? We want to take control, and usually the way that we try to take that control is by taking control of somebody else. One of the curses that resulted from Adam and Eve's sin is the curse of being ruled by our emotions. What happened after the fall? What happened after they ate that fruit? Number one, it was a, a feeling that brought them to that point to where they ate of the fruit in the first place because they ignored what God told them. But what happened immediately after the fall? They felt fear. They heard God in the garden in the cool of the night. And what happened? They felt an emotion. They, they felt the emotion of fear. Because what did Adam say? God says, where were you? And he said, well, we, we hid ourselves because we were afraid because we were naked. God told him, who, who told you you were naked? <laughs> because prior to that time, they'd been in a time of innocence. Every thought that they had was a pure thought. You know, <clears throat> We've been born again, but we still live in a fallen world. We still live in a world where everything is based on emotions. They're trying to impress upon us. They're trying to draw us in by our feelings, by our emotions. You know, <clears throat> what does a woman have to do was selling a car. Everything, because what the seller knows is that if they can get you emotionally connected with this thing, they can get you. They can draw you in the direction that they want you to go. And so we see it constantly all around us. We see things that are, that are, that are trying to draw us in by emotions. Why do you think PETA puts all those starving dogs and cats on TV to pull at your emotions. Not to get you to intellectually think, do I really want to support this thing? No, they want you to attach yourselves to it emotionally. You know, and that's why when something comes at you through your emotions, you need to sit back and you need to intellectually look at it. I've been in church services where the person that's trying to receive the offering appeals to her emotions. And, and one of those emotions that they try to appeal to is almost a sense of guilt and shame if you don't give in this particular offering. But you know what? I've learned something a long time ago. That's the spirit of witchcraft trying to minister to me. And anytime you see something or someone that is trying to appeal to you totally on an emotional level, that's in a sense that spirit of witchcraft that's trying to minister to you. And so when I get that emotional appeal, because sometimes it's a, it's a good thing to give to. But I don't put my offering in there immediately. I don't make a pledge immediately. I get into my intellect. I know that's hard for some of you to believe that I would be able to do that. <clears throat> but I get into my intellect and I think about it and I draw from the Spirit. Because you know what? He's able to tell you what to do. Everything with the emotion wants to pull you completely away from that. 
And so we take our, take our thought captive. In fact, let's go there. 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And we're going to begin in the third verse. It says, For though I walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so it says here that we have authority, that we can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We can control our thoughts. But if we're to control our thoughts, that means we have to begin by, by controlling our emotions. Because oftentimes our, our emotions dictate where our thought life is going to go. If I look at something and I look at it totally emotionally and I act upon those emotions, it'll take me to a place that I don't want to be. You know, if I'm offended about something and I allow my emotions to dominate me, that's what my thought life will be in. You know, I'm a melancholy in, in inclusion, which is social orientation and intellectual energies. And so as a, as a melancholy, uh, it, it says that my, my thinking process doesn't ever shut down. It's constantly going. And, and so if I allow my emotions to get me on a certain direction with my thought life. Those thoughts will take me to a place. It also says that as a melancholy, um, I have a tendency to seek vengeance. So aren't you thankful that I take my thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, that I'm not out here trying to take vengeance on everything that's ever been said or done that I don't necessarily agree with. But see, I can take thought captive. But you know what? I'll never take the thought captive until I've taken authority over my emotions. Because my emotions will always take me to that place. And generally speaking, it's a place I don't want to be. It also says here, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Carnal, or carnality there, is referring to our five senses. And uh, God gave us our five senses to assist us. We're able to see, we're able to hear, we're able to feel, um, we're able to smell. Um, what I leave out? Taste. Taste. Yeah. And so they're there. All of those senses are there to assist us. But you know what? <clears throat> if we allow ourselves to be controlled by our senses, once again, it'll always lead us away from the truths and the principles of God's Word. Because when I don't feel good, my body wants to tell me, you don't feel good. And uh, it wants to take me to that place and be separated from everything. It doesn't want me to go to the Word of God. 
You know, I, I remember as a, as a kid, some of you have heard this, I kind of hated school. And, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up under the old system where um, you had to go to the blackboard and different things like that. And, and, I, and I, I, could, I, I can remember times where I was expected to go to the blackboard and do something. <clears throat> Number one, uh, it's difficult to do that when you can't spell. And number two, it's difficult that to do that when you are fearful of getting up in front of people. And number three, and this is the designing factor, it's difficult to do that when you don't know the answer. Well, I qualified in all three areas. But I can remember times in school when I would be knowing that I would have to go to the blackboard and I'd have to do such and such. And my emotions would begin to work on me and the fear and so forth. Then I would eventually have to, we didn't have a nurse in our school. I mean, we had 20 people in the whole school. It was a country school. But I'd have to go down and I'd have to lay down in the cot because I felt so sick. And I would literally get physically sick because of what emotion did in my life. Don't tell me emotions don't have power because emotions have power and when they get you thinking in a certain direction, again, it takes you down a path that you don't want to go. But let me tell you something. <clears throat> sickness is real. I know that sickness comes against us. And so, Pastor, you're saying that we're supposed to go around saying we're not sick? No. We're not supposed But what we can't do is allow our emotions to get such a hold on us concerning that, that we forget that the Bible declares that I am the redeemed of the Lord, that I have been healed by the stripes of Jesus, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And what our emotions will do, it'll get our thought life focusing completely upon the five senses rather than looking at the Word of God. But you know what? It begins in the emotional realm. Because <clears throat> I don't know about you, I used to kind of like to be sick. Didn't have to go to work. You know, people would feel sorry for you. But you know what? We've got to get to the place where there are emotions that we don't want it anymore. That we want what God has for us more than we want what the world has for us. And so God's given us our five senses to assist us not to rule over us. And we look at some of these areas and we see how the enemy is able to rule over us because we yield our emotions, we yield our five senses. We allow them to have dominance and control in our life. It says, talks about strongholds in our life. Strongholds are houses of thoughts that have been constructed in our minds. You know, once again, in Romans it says that we've got to renew our mind. Why do we have to renew our minds? Because we have constructed ways of thinking. Ways of thinking that have been established upon our emotions and upon our feelings rather than upon the Word of God. We've got, to, we've got to deal with those structures. You know, I've always said faith is easy. I don't know about you, when I got a hold of the word of faith message, faith was easy because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The difficult part of faith was unlearning what I'd already learned about faith. That was an heir. That was a house that was constructed on my thinking processes. And, and at a certain point, that house had to be torn down so that I could have a new one constructed. I had to tear down that house that said that it was God's will for me to be poor because 
poverty and, and holiness were synonymous with one another. No, the only thing about poverty is you're poor. You can't help yourself and you can't help anybody else. And that's why is this desire for us to prosper. Why? So I can lavish it on myself? No, so that my needs can be met and that I can meet the needs of somebody else, that I can help somebody else. Last weekend, we had our annual meeting. And as we went through the budget, one of the things that we saw was last year, 20%, uh, 26% of our, our ties and non-designated offerings went to missions. Everything that went through our checkbook, 36% went to missions. But if we, uh, we include other activities that were outgoes from the church, over 50% of the monies that came through Abundant Life Ministries went away from us. You know what? You can't do that if you don't prosper. And in our own lives, we're not able to participate in those things. We're not able to give to those things unless we're blessed. It's God's will for us to prosper. And so if you have a house that's been constructed that, that says that, you know, it's wrong for you to, 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 to be blessed. It's wrong for you to, be, to, for you to prosper. You need to tear that down and it needs to be reconstructed according to the Word of God. According to what His will is, not man's will. We can control our thoughts that pass through our minds with our speech. Here we go again. Back to confession, back to what we say. But you know what? If we don't ever learn and take control over our speech, we'll never have control over our lives. You know, I, I learned something a long time ago. Um, don't say it until you're ready to stand behind it. Because the moment that it comes out of your mouth, you're committed to it. And it's an interesting thing about words. <clears throat> you might be able to tell somebody you didn't mean it, but you can't ever take it back. It's out there. It's registered out there. And so we need to take control over our, our mouths. When the devil sends a thought our way, we can open our mouths and we can do something different about it. We can quote what the scripture says. When we do that, we're following the pattern of Jesus. You know, I've said this before. I, I appreciate the Apostle Paul, the letters that he gave us and so forth. I appreciate Peter, James, and the rest, but they're ultimately not the example that I follow. The ultimate example that I follow is Jesus. He's my big brother. He's the one that shows me the way. So how did Jesus handle a difficult situation? When the enemy, when the devil appeared to him, and when you read through it, recognize that the enemy used scripture out of context. But he used scripture. And so what did Jesus do? He, he responded to him, not with, well, I'm not going to listen to you. He said, but the word also says, this is what the word says. And he used it in context. And that's why it's so important for us to have the word of God in our lives. Because when our emotions begin to go wacko, when they go haywire, how are we going to deal with it? Are we going to try to deal with it the way the world deals with it? Are we going to deal with it the way the Bible says? That we speak out, we declare what the Word of God says to us. You know, one of the fruit of the Spirit is temperance, self-control. Self-control moves us to a place where God wants to be. You know, <clears throat> self-control says, I'm not going to allow 
these emotions, these thoughts to control and dominate me. I'm going to choose to believe what the Word of God says about me. I'm going to choose to walk in the fullness of that. And that's what, that's what temperance is. That's what self-control is. We need to have self-control in our lives. I know it's not a subject or a topic that's very popular today. But if there's ever been a day where we need to be able to practice temperance, self-control, it's today. And you know, part of that is dealing with our actions, dealing with our emotions. But a big part of it is being able to deal with the words that come out of our mouth. Because we oftentimes say things, we speak things. And why do we do that? We do it out of our emotions. We're not doing it because it's the thing that God would have us do. It's the thing that I want to do. Because, you know, I can't tell you how many times there's been situations and I've just, you know, usually I just stick my head in the sand, but there, there's been times I've wanted to confront it. I've wanted to address it. I've been ready to do it. But then I have the thought. Yield to the Spirit and I back off. And the scripture I, scripture I so often lean upon is the scripture that says that God's my vindicator. And over the years I found something out. Every time I tried to vindicate myself, every time I tried to defend myself, what do I do? I dig the hole deeper. But when I sit back and I, I recognize that God is my vindicator, what happens? He does his job. How many of you know that God will do his job and he's very good at it? You know, <clears throat> I can represent the Holy Spirit. But I'm very poor at being the Holy Spirit. And I think oftentimes what we do is we're not, we're not trying to represent him. We're trying to be him in somebody else's life and it doesn't work. Because the only one that can be Holy Spirit to them is the Holy Spirit. Now we can pray for the open doors. We can pray for the avenues. We can have an expectation of it. But you know what? When I get out there and I try to do it myself, I'm going to fail. Because you know what? Whether we like it or not, we always put our own interests first place. Oh, don't look at me with that tone of voice. I know you're just like I am and you do the same thing. We all do. And that's why we have to take authority over our emotions. That's why we have to take authority over our thoughts. Because our emotions and our thoughts think of me. That's their number one concern. And until I take authority over that, and I get back yielding to the Spirit where I ought to be, I'll be thinking of self rather than others. <clears throat> you know, I, I talk a lot about the prison. But let me tell you something. There's a whole lot of Monday nights, especially like it's going to be cold tomorrow night. There's a whole lot of Monday nights. I don't want to leave my house. I'm sitting in front of the TV with my electric fireplace on, with a blanket wrapped around me, just so cozy, and it's time to go, and I don't want to go. Amen? That's how it is. You know, you think I always want to go to church on Sunday morning? Because I know who I'm going to hear. Me. 
so it's, there, there, there's, I don't always want to, but let's use Wednesday night. I don't always want to go. A lot of times I don't want to go. But you know what? I have to take that emotion. I have to take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ because I know that I have made a commitment. But I can also make another statement to you. I've never left that prison after having the opportunity to preach the gospel that I regretted going. I come home being thankful that I took authority over those thoughts, those feelings. Now you may say, well, that's kind of an extreme. No, it's not. Every one of us deal with it every single day in our lives. And if we don't begin to recognize where that emotion is coming from, where that feeling is coming from, where that thought is coming from, that feeling, that thought will continue to dominate and it'll continue to control our lives. In Proverbs 16, 32, it says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. You know, and you've got to take into consideration, this is talking, this is from the Old Testament, and so we're just talking about the spirit here, it's talking about the soul, talking about the soul and spirit. And so he says, once again, he who is slow to anger. You know, <clears throat> you notice something? He's not saying that it's wrong to be angry. There is a point where we ought to be angry. When we see injustice, it ought to make us angry. When we see pictures of starving children in other countries, it ought to, it ought to make us angry. Especially when we know that there's the opportunity them, for them to be fed, but it's not being taken place. When we see things around us, it ought to, it ought to anger us. But you know what? We're never to lose control of our anger. We are to control our thoughts. And if we do, we can do anything. Because if I get angry about a situation, and you see, what our anger ought to do, it ought not to settle in our emotions because if, it's then, if it does, it's of no value. You know what? I'll never help anybody thinking about it. Wasn't that a revelation? But it's the truth. You'll never, think, you'll never help an individual thinking about what you could do. But when that emotion, that thought, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, begins to take direction, we'll be able to do something about it. Anger, oftentimes, is fear-based. We get angry about things because we become fearful. Failure, failure to control our emotions and losing our temper is a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of strength. And oftentimes we see it as this macho thing. It's not strength. And when we begin to recognize it for what it is, we can begin to deal with it. Let me read that same passage, Proverbs 6.23 out of the Amplified. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his own spirit soul than he who takes a city. But notice what it comes down to. It comes down to me ruling my own soul. It comes down to me taking authority over my emotions. It's me taking authority over my thoughts because until I do that, Nobody is able to experience the blessing that can be available to them through me. I have to do it. I can't control, or I should not control, another person. That's witchcraft. But the one I can control is me, like I told you last week. 
You know, the Bible talks about the three areas we have to deal with. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Jesus defeated the devil. The world, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. So the world's overcome. So my biggest issue is me. And so if I can control my emotions, if I can control my thoughts, I can control me. But if I don't control my thoughts, if I don't control my emotions, I'll be out of control. That's where it all begins. And you say, well, I don't, I don't feel like I can do that. Well, then God is unjust. Because he told us we can. And so what we need to do is we need to get in agreement with him rather than the world. Because let me read this passage again. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not uh, carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And one translation says, bringing every imagination Imagination is, is important. Imagination is a positive thing because what our imagination will do, it'll give us a picture of where we're headed. But you know what? If we allow our, our emotion and our thought life, which is uncontrolled, to bring about the images in our life, those images aren't going to be the images that God desires for us. And the reason that we're able to do that is because of Jesus. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. What are our weaknesses? Our weaknesses is our emotions. Our weaknesses are our, four, our five uh, senses. Those are the weaknesses. And Jesus is able to sympathize with them. It says, because he was tempted as we, in all things yet without sin. You know what? Jesus was emotional. Jesus had feelings. Everything that you and I go through, Jesus went through it yet without sin. In other words, he didn't yield to it. You know, <clears throat> We have the example once again in Mark the 14th chapter and the 33rd verse when Jesus went to the garden to pray. Jesus was emotional. And he had a legitimate reason to be emotional because he knew what he was going to go through. Listen to this. I'm reading out of the Amplified. And he took with him Peter, James, and John and began to be struck with terror and agonizing and, and ag in amazement and deep. Uh, let me start over again. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be struck with terror and amazement and deeply troubled and distressed. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sad, overwhelmingly overwhelmed with grief, so that it almost kills me. Remain here and keep awake and be watching. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and he wept praying that if it were possible, the hour might pass, the fatal hour might pass from him. Notice it, it says that he, he fell to the ground. I don't believe that Jesus went over to a rock and fixed his robe and sat down so he didn't wrinkle it. I believe he really, literally fell to the ground because of the grief, because of the pain that he fell at that. And why did he feel such pain? Because he knew that he 
was going to go to the cross, that he was going to suffer a suffering that was beyond our ability to imagine, that he was going to suffer that pain, he was going to suffer, and he was going to die, that he's going to go to hell, he's going to be, be there three days being tormented by the devil. And he basically said, Father, you know what? If there's any other way, let's do it that way. Yet not my will, your will be done. You know what he did? Took authority over his emotions. His five senses and between his five senses and his emotions, he was felt like he was going to die. But he took authority over them. He did not allow them to dominate him, to take him away from the direction that God had ordained for him to go. Every one of us in this room, God has ordained a plan, a purpose, a way for each and every one of us. And the tool that the enemy uses to try to get us off of that path because all of it is dealing with trying to get you and I off of the path that we're supposed to be on. Because when we're on that path, we're going to fulfill the plan and the purpose of God and He's going to be exalted and magnified in our lives. And so how does He do that? He does it through our emotions. He does it through our emotions by getting us thinking, well, you know, this, this is going to be really difficult and, you know, there, there really has to be another way. I, I, don't, I don't really think that God would want me to go here when he's already told you to go there. And so what do we do? We stop listening to him. We stop paying attention to the word of God. And we begin to buy in what emotion tells us, what the Word tells us. Why has the church as a whole oftentimes morally got so off target? Because we've allowed our emotions to come in. We've allowed our emotions to say, well, you know, God is love. God loves everybody. Absolutely correct. But we've allowed that to enter in and be, begin to dictate to us things that go contrary to the Word of God because emotionally we don't feel that God could ever possibly be that way. Let me tell you something. God is love. But that God of love is also a God of justice. And because He is a God of justice, we can have confidence in his love. We have confidence that he'll never leave us or forsake us no matter what we feel. And the truth of his word is truth. And so our emotions want to come against that. We have to be willing. We have to rise up. We have to say no to our emotions. We have to take thought captive. Pastor Dave, it sounds like you're preaching legalism to me because you're saying that I have to. You, you do if you want a victorious life. You do if you want to overcome those issues, those areas in your life. Because if we want things to be different tomorrow in our lives, we have to think differently, we have to speak differently, and we have to stop allowing our emotions to take us to a place that we, won't, we don't want to go. But you know what? Nobody else can do it for us. We, each and every one of us, have been created as a free will agent that has authority over my emotions, over my thoughts, over the direction that I go. And you can pray, God, Make me do such and such. But it's beyond his authority to do so. He's created us 
as a free will agent to decide for ourselves. We had to decide. And as for us and our house, we're going to put God in His Word first place. Do we get emotional? Just ask. Well, you don't have to ask, Becky. You know for yourself, I'm emotional. But you know what? I have authority over my emotions in the name of Jesus. And especially when it comes to determining where my life is going to go. And each and every one of us, we have to recognize that for ourselves. You know, I so wish as a pastor that I could decide it for you. Wouldn't that be wonderful? No, it wouldn't. Because then I could dictate to you and you don't want that. But there's things that, we, we, it would be wonderful, but it wouldn't be because God created us a perfect being. We're not perfect, but he created us perfect. And the more and more we recognize what he's done for us and we begin to walk in it, the more of that perfection we're going to see manifested in our life. Because here, we're here for one purpose, and that's to bring him glory. And it's through him that we reach that. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know how to quit, so I guess I just have to quit. God is so wonderful. And so, Father, we thank you this morning for Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. We thank you that we have authority over our emotions. We have authority over our five senses. Within each and every one of us is the ability to choose to follow you. And so, Father, we do. We may stray off the course, but thank you, Father, that you've given us the tools that we can choose to get back on course once again. May your will be done in each of our lives as we continue to follow after you. And we thank you for that. In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen. And so as you go, go in his peace, his strength, his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug.